In recent weeks, we've talked about some essential things for Christian living. Because we need people to live with. We need principles to live on. And last week, we used the hand as an outline for looking at six ways for building a life on a solid foundation. Today, we have a very practical message. Using the Bible to make decisions. So please take out the sermon notes that have been provided for you. Because there's no doubt about it that today we're facing more decisions than ever before. In your notes, we're living in a multiple choice culture. We live in a multiple choice culture. The problem is that sometimes seemingly insignificant or trivial decisions have major life-changing impact on your life. Would you agree with that? Sometimes a little tiny decision, like a giant door swings on a small hinge. Sometimes a small decision in your life can completely change the direction. I can remember getting an invitation to attend a graduation party of one of my cousins while I was going to the senior college in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I wasn't even sure that I would get off work that evening. My job was an orderly at Lutheran Hospital, but I was, so I went. There I met a beautiful young lady who was the very best friend of my cousin. Her name was Faye. That was a pretty good decision to go to that graduation party at my cousin's house. I did some research in some really bad decisions in history. For instance, Sam Phillips sold his small recording company to RCA Records in 1955 for $35,000. But this sale included an exclusive contract with a young man named Elvis Presley. Unknowingly, he forfeited royalties on more than one billion records. Bad decision. In 1938, Joe Sluster and Jerry Siegel sold the rights to Superman for $65 each. Bad decision. Everybody together say, bad decision. In Germany, a bank robber pulls out a gun. He demands money. The teller says that she needs to see his identification. He pulls it out, takes the cash, leaves, and he leaves the ID behind. (laughs) Bad decision. Three prisoner guards were fired for giving the prisoners a trampoline during their exercise break because they were jumping over the fence. Bad decision. There was this high school girl who told Bill Gates, who was also in high school at the time, it's either me or the computer. Bad decision. (laughs) Pausing briefly when your wife asked the question, do I look fat in this? Really bad decision. What is the key to making wise decisions in life? The answer is to listen to God. To listen to God. Look at Proverbs 2, verses 5 and 9. Please read those verses with me together out loud. If you want insight and discernment, learn the importance of reverence for the Lord and of trusting Him. 
He shows you how to distinguish right from wrong and how to find the right decision every time. So you want to make good decisions? Listen to God. So this morning we're going to look at five biblical ways to test your decisions. These are guidelines for decision making. Now parents need to know them for themselves. But you also need to teach these to your kids. These will help you figure out what God wants you to be doing. Number one, the first practical way to test the decision in your notes is what I would call the ideal test. The ideal test. The ideal test asks the question in your notes, is it in harmony with God's word? It's the question, is it in harmony with God's word? What I'm about to do, does God say in the Bible it's okay to do it? Now this is always the very first test you want to apply. What does God have to say about it? See, in life there must be one of two choices that will be your ultimate source of authority. In your notes it will be either the word, that is the word of God, or it will be the world, the word versus the world. The word is what you will base your decision on, or the world and what other people are saying. If you base your life on popular opinion, on what currently is the going thing to do, you'll always be out of date. It just keeps changing every day. What used to be in yesterday is not in today. And what is in today will not be in tomorrow. Opinions of the world, popular culture, political correctness, or they give you a very shifting foundation. And you have no real solid principles to live by. If you base your life on God's word, the truth never changes. If God's word says something is wrong a thousand years ago, it's wrong today also, and will be tomorrow. It doesn't matter what the opinion polls say. If God says it's wrong, then it's always been and always will be. If God says that it's right, then it always will be right. See, sometimes in life, when you're making those decisions, you're living in the darkness. You don't really know what to do. But then look with me at Psalm 119, 105. Psalmist says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The Bible is a lamp to the light the way. It's sort of the flashlight for your life. It's life's instruction book. So sometimes it's very difficult to understand. Isn't that right? Why does God say, give a tithe back to him as a first fruit of your giving? Or why is sex outside of marriage always, always wrong? Sometimes people have difficulty understanding God's principles. But let me give you a secret here. In your notes, to be blessed by God's principles, just follow them. You don't have to understand everything that God says. God is God, and you're not. To be blessed by God's principles, just follow them. If you follow God's command, even when you don't understand them, you will be blessed. See, I don't understand how all the intricacies of how electricity works. I don't understand. But that doesn't stop me from using it and taking advantages of it. I turn on lights. I watch television. So even if you don't understand all that God said in the Bible, you can benefit from it by following it, by obeying him. See, the oldest temptation known to man 
in your notes. The oldest temptation is doubt God's word. Yeah, doubt God's word. Whenever we find something in the Bible that we do not like, or we think is restricting us too much, or just seems to be outdated to us, then we start to doubt God's word. We start thinking, does the Bible say that? Did God really mean that? When you start thinking that way, you have fallen for the oldest trap in the world. It's Satan's original temptation. It was the one he used on Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Did God really say that you should not eat of the fruit of that tree? What is he doing? The oldest temptation to doubt God's word. When you doubt God's word, you're doubting his will, his authority. So the first test when making a decision is it in harmony with God's word. The second test, number two in your notes, is what I call the integrity test. The integrity test. And for this second test, you want to ask the question in your notes, what I want everyone to know. What I want everyone to know about this decision that I am making. See, if you're making a decision and you're worried about other people finding out, that's most likely a bad decision. Bad decisions lead to secrets. Let's look at Proverbs 10, verse 9. The man of integrity walks securely, but he who takes crooked paths will be found out. Notice that it doesn't say might be found out. So in making decisions, you should take the integrity test. Before you're about to make a bad choice, what happens, you know that it isn't the choice that you should be making. You often say to yourself, oh, I'll go ahead because in your notes, no one will ever find out. No one will ever know. Immediately when you make that decision, you start worrying. Somebody is going to find out. You have fear when you violate the integrity test. The integrity test asks you to, your talk to match your walk, that they're in harmony. So when we fail as God's children, though, we have the assurance of his grace and his mercy. Because Jesus suffered and died on the cross to take all of our imperfections upon himself. He became sin for us. And through faith in Jesus, we receive the perfect righteousness of Christ. We receive power from the Holy Spirit to walk the talk, to let the love and the mercy of Jesus flow through us to touch the lives of other people. That is what we want everyone to know. Jesus is my Savior. Jesus died and arose and lives through his church today. Number one was the ideal test. Number two is the integrity test. The third biblical way to test the decision, number three in your notes, is what I call the improvement test. The improvement test. And for this third test, you want to ask yourself the question in your notes, will it make me a better person? Will it make me a better person? And the Bible talks about this. Look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10. Everything is permissible. But not everything is beneficial. Not everything is constructive. Notice the freedom that we have as Christians. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Not everything builds you up. And what's Paul saying? He's saying that some things are not necessarily wrong, but they're just plain not necessary. They're not essential. 
So it's not a matter of between good and bad. It's a matter of what is good and then what is best. In fact, most of the choices that you make in life are not really between the really bad and the really good. You don't get up in the morning and say, should I read my Bible or should I become an international terrorist? That's not the issue. The issue is what you really is best in your life. Because a lot of things are not necessarily wrong. They're morally neutral, but they're just not necessary. So you need to use this improvement test. Will it make me a better person? Will, it make, will what I'm about to do make me a better father or a better mother? Sometimes we watch TV and we just do it to unwind, to relax. You turn TV on about noon, what do you usually find? Soap operas. What happens when these soap operas will run together? And you begin to watch one right after another. And you get connected. You get connected to the lives of fictional people. Now, I know none of you would ever do that. Some people get intimately interested in the lives of people who do not even exist in your notes. Are you wasting your life? Do you find TV making you a better husband, a better wife? Do you find TV making you a better father and mother? Now, I know that I'm treading on thin ice right now, but if your lives are revolving around TV, you're wasting your life. There are so many real people that need our intimate care, that need our attention. Some of you guys are out there saying, give it to them, Pastor, give it to them. Some of you guys will become couch potatoes from Friday, 6 o'clock, to Monday morning. Loot to ESPN. He could go all the way. You know more about Chris Berman than you knew about your wife. You're wasting your life. So are these evil things in themselves? No. Are they bad? No. Are they a waste of time if you spend too much time on them? Absolutely. Do they help you to become a better Christian man and Christian woman? Most of the time, in no way. A fourth biblical way to test the decision. Number four on the back of your notes is what I call the influence test. The influence test. For this fourth test, you must want to ask yourself the question, will it harm other people? Will it harm other people? One of the biggest mistakes in life is that we forget how much our actions influence and affect other people. Every day you are tempted to make decisions that may be, well, yeah, the best thing for you, but could have a bad effect on those around you. So you need to take this fourth test. Will it harm other people? See, God says that one day we will be judged by how we affect other people. Just look at Romans 14. Each of us will give an account of himself to God. So you try to live in such a way that you will never make your brother stumble by letting him see you doing something he thinks is wrong. This fourth test is a test in your notes that's opposite our culture. It's the opposite of culture. Because culture teaches us to think of yourselves only Think of your own needs. Think of your own desires. God expects us to think about more than just yourself. God expects you to think about other people around you.
You may not like to hear this, but in your notes, you are being watched. Christians are being watched all the time. You're being watched by other people. To think that this or that decision is only affecting me, that's a lie. We're in a boat together. If you decide to drill a hole in the bottom of the boat, does that affect everybody else? Sure it does. Parents are influencing the next generation by what you do with your children. Your children are watching you. You show respect for authority. You don't call in sick and then go to Cedar Point. You don't bring supplies home from the office using them for personal benefit. You don't brag about how you're ripping off Uncle Sam. You don't watch mature TV. You're being watched. The influence test asks this question. Will what I am doing harm other people? The fifth biblical way to test the decision in your notes number five is what I call the investment test. The investment test. You will want to ask yourself the question in your notes, is this the best use of my time? Is it the best use of my time? Look at what Paul says in Ephesians 5. Be very careful how you live. Don't live like those who are not wise. Live wisely. I mean that you should use every chance you have for doing good, because these are evil times. So don't be foolish with your lives. Learn what the Lord wants you to do. If you want to make the best use of your life, if you want your life to count, if you want to make an impact, you then must control your time. We all have in your notes 168 hours, 168 hours each week. Your life equals in your notes your time. Your life equals your time. And if you waste time, you're wasting your life. If you kill time, you're committing suicide. Your time is your life. The investment test then is, is this the very best use of my time? So in your notes, a focused life is sort of like a laser. A focused life is like a laser. It accomplishes the purpose that God has given to you. And if you do not know your life mission, if you don't understand the purpose for which God has placed you here, then you have no basis for making decisions. When you know where you're headed, you can live a very focused life. In conclusion, there are two important parts for your life mission. The first part of your life mission, number one, knowing Jesus. Knowing Jesus as your Savior. Trusting in Jesus as God's Son, your Savior, your Lord. He died for you. He gave his blood for you on the cross. And all your sins are forgiven. And through his resurrection, he promises eternal life. So your life mission starts with Jesus. Number two, your life mission includes you being connected. And you know it's connected to God's family. Connected to God's family, the church. So through the word and through the sacraments, you are to grow and be nurtured and function as a member of the body of Christ. So this morning I'm asking you to use the Bible to make your decisions for the many, many decisions that you're making every day. Are they in harmony with God's word? What I want everybody to know, would it make me a better person or will it harm other people? 
is at the best use of my time. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.